So glad that all of you are here this morning. My name's Dave. I'm the campus pastor here on our World Golf Village campus of Good News Church. And hey, before we open God's word together, let's just spend a moment in prayer. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for the privilege that you've given us to gather together. And Father, we've sung of the greatness of your holiness and your love and your grace. And I pray that as your word is read this morning and as it is spoken to your people, that, Father, our hearts would be captured anew by the wonder of what Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, has done for us. Oh, Father, so often we think that the Christian life is all that we have to do for you. And, oh, Father, would you capture our hearts again this morning with the reality of what Jesus has done for us. Oh, Jesus, thank you for giving it all so that we could have it all. And oh, Holy Spirit, come in a fresh way and make the word alive and real in our hearts. For we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The passage to which we'll give our attention this morning is in Colossians chapter 1. We continue our study through the book of Colossians today and We're going to be looking in particular at verse 14 of Colossians chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Let me read uh, 13 and 14 to us this morning. For he, that's Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom, in the beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is God's Word. Now, last week, we saw the, the first of three different re-words that we'll be looking at in these weeks. The first was the word rescued, and we saw that Jesus Christ has rescued us from darkness and brought us into his kingdom, a kingdom where we experience his love for us, and he invites us to enjoy life in that kingdom, the kingdom of love. This week, we're going to look at one particular way that Jesus Christ has rescued us, and it's in the word redemption. And what we're going to learn this morning is that Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus is our Redeemer. Now, what is redemption? Redemption means to pay a price. To pay a price. To set something or someone free from a debt through the payment of a price. The price of redemption in the Bible is often called a ransom, a ransom. And so Jesus is our redeemer. He's the one who has secured our freedom from bondage, our freedom from debt by making a ransom payment on our behalf. We see examples of ransom in history. In in 53 BC, the emperor of Rome, Crassus, sent an army to Jerusalem. 
And everyone in Jerusalem was terrified that Crassus, this emperor from Rome, was just going to sack the city of Jerusalem and take all the gold, all the gold in the temple. And that would have been a tragedy for several reasons. One, it would have wrecked the city. But more importantly, all the gold of the temple was in the utensils used in worship. And so the people would have been lost. Not only would their city have been lost, their opportunity to worship would have been lost. And so the priest fashioned a single gold bar. It was 10,000 shekels in weight. Now, I did a little research. That works out to be seven and a quarter million dollars worth of gold. In this one gold bar, he took it out to Crassus and his army, and he offered that single gold bar in exchange for the safety of the city. And here's what he says. Josephus, the historian, says these were his words. Ransom instead of all. The gold bar was the ransom so that the city and all the utensils of the temple could be spared. Maybe you're not into history. Do you ever see the movie Man on Fire? Man on Fire, it's a great movie. It's pretty violent. But Denzel Washington, he's a great actor. And in the movie, Denzel Washington plays John Creasy. And John Creasy is a former Marine uh, recon uh, soldier who now is employed privately in protection. And he's, he's hired to protect a little girl, a nine-year-old girl named Peta. But she's kidnapped. About halfway through the movie, she's kidnapped. And then John Creasy, Denzel Washington, goes on an absolute rampage through Mexico to find the people who have kidnapped her. And at the end of the movie, to secure her release from her captives, what does John Creasy do? He gives his life for Peter's life. He gives himself. Now, there is something more valuable than the gold that Eleazar the priest gave to Cressus. There is something more precious than the life of John Creasy that was given in exchange for this girl. There is a greater sacrifice that has been made, and it's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His life is more valuable, and his death is more sufficient for you and for me for our ransom to be paid. And that's what we're going to learn this morning. Jesus is our Redeemer. The ransom price is, has been paid in full for you. And I'm praying that it will cause your heart to sing for joy at the work that Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, let me ask you a few questions. How real... Is it to you that Jesus Christ 
has sacrificed himself for your redemption, for your release from captivity. How real is that to you? How real to you is the staggering love of the Father who would give his Son as our ransom, who would give his Son for our redemption? How real is that to you? Do you have any burden for the people in your life who are still held captive in sin? And is there any desire working in your heart to see the people around you come to understand the good news of the gospel, that there is a Redeemer named Jesus who has paid the full and awful penalty that our sins deserve? Is there any burden growing in your heart to share with others the good news of the gospel? Oh, I pray this morning that as the gospel becomes more real to your heart, as the love of the Father becomes more real to your heart, there will be a growing burden in your life to want to share with others the good news that we're going to learn this morning, that Jesus is our Redeemer. Now, Jesus uh, is said in chapter 1 of uh, Colossians, it says in verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Westminster Confession of Faith asked this question in question 21, who is the Redeemer of God's elect? And the answer that they give starts out this way. The only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we live in a day when what stands out to most people in that statement, the only Redeemer of God's elect is Jesus Christ. What stands out to most people is what? The word only. And they say, oh, judgmental Christians. Oh, narrow-minded Christians. I can't believe you want me to believe that there's only one way. Well, that's what the Bible teaches in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, we, read, uh, we read this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. You see, what stands out to people today is that there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But what should stand out to us, what should amaze us, is who our Redeemer is. Oh, the Westminster Confession goes on and it says this, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the eternal Son of God, became man, and so was and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. 
what can amaze us is not that there's only one Redeemer, but that the Redeemer is Jesus, God's Son, sent into the world to save sinners. That's what should amaze us and astound us, is that the person who has saved us is none other than the eternal Son of God, who for our salvation was willing to leave heaven and come to earth, put on humanity, live the life that we should have lived. Why did he have to be a man? He had to be a man in order to solve our guilt problem that we had inherited from Adam, a guilty record. And we needed a new Adam. And Jesus Christ, God the Son, took on our humanity and he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He set us free. He redeemed us from our guilt incurred, credited to us from Adam. And being fully God, he could pay a sufficient ransom. You see, we owed an, an infinite debt because the one we had sinned against was God. And Jesus Christ, being God, could pay the full and awful penalty that our sins deserve. We needed a Redeemer, and only a Redeemer who was fully God and fully man was suitable to redeem us from the debt we owed. Now, what are we redeemed from? We're redeemed from a debt that we could not repay. You remember back in uh, a few years ago, there was a lending tree ad. You remember this ad? There was a man named Stanley Johnson. He said, hi, I'm Stanley Johnson. I have a great family. I live in a four-bedroom house in a great neighborhood. You like my car? It's new. I'm even a member of the golf club. How do I do it? You remember his answer? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. You remember Stanley Johnson? It was a great commercial. And it pictures all of us. You see, we're all in debt, up to our eyeballs. We may not have financial debt, but we owe a spiritual debt to God that we could never repay. Why? We owe a debt to God because He made us. We owe Him everything. And yet all of us, all of us have failed to honor Him as God, to worship Him, and to give our lives in obedience to Him. We have all, we've all fallen short in that. We all have a debt that we couldn't repay. Jesus, in fact, taught us that every time we pray, using the prayer He taught us, we're to be reminded of the debt we owe to God. It's in the phrase, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors in, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 12. Maybe you grew up and you were always concerned about the Lord's Prayer dance in church. Maybe you were a part of a church where as a part of the pastoral prayer they always prayed the Lord's Prayer 
And we, you'd always get to that line, right? And there'd be a dance. Everybody's wondering. When we get to that place, are, am I in the kind of church where they say, debt? Or am I in the kind of church where they say, trespass? Or am I in the kind of church where they say, sin? Well, the word, the Greek word that Jesus uses in that passage is the word debt. It means literally what you owe. And what, God, what Jesus says is, go to your father and ask him to forgive your debt, what you owe him, even as you, because you've experienced this forgiveness, even as you continue to forgive people who owe you. Paul, in Colossians 1.14, he says, We have redemption. A payment has been made to set us free from what? Our debt. What is our debt? The fact that we have sin that needs to be forgiven. Now you say, well, I'm not sure how much of a debt I actually owe God. So let's do some research. Let's do some heart research using God's word to see how much debt we may owe. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6. And in Proverbs 6, we're told of six things that the Lord hates. Even seven which are an abomination to him. So, so how are we doing? Haughty eyes. You ever, you ever look at somebody and, and you sort of... Sh- you, do, you sort of make a case as you look at them and you sort of stack them up, particularly in relationship to you, maybe their appearance, maybe their, you make some judgments based on their appearance about their economic status. You ever look at somebody and you put them in a particular group? You ever been in traffic behind someone and you look at all their bumper stickers and you immediately know exactly where they fit in the pecking order of life. That's haughty eyes. And God says he hates that. Haughty eyes. Uh, a lying tongue. You ever, you ever boasted? You ever exaggerated? Even just once? Have you always told the truth? Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Listen, if, if, if your thought life and your heart life could be recorded on a daily basis, how would you do? Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brethren. How are we doing? How are you doing? How am I doing? You see, we all have a debt. We all have a debt that we owe to a holy, holy, holy God. 
And God is just, and he must punish sin. And God is loving, and he desires to forgive, but he can't just wink at sin. Something has to be done. A payment has to be made. And that payment is Jesus. Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. How has he made redemption for us? He's made redemption for us by giving his life a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says of himself, he gives his life purpose. Even the Son of Man, God the Son, has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus gave his life. And we see the the drama of his self-sacrifice. We see the greatness of his self-sacrifice in the way the New Testament repeatedly points to one aspect of his ransom, one aspect of his self-sacrifice. It's the shedding of his blood. How great was his sacrifice? It was so great that he was willing to shed his blood to ransom us. The payment given to secure our release was nothing less than the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So in the parallel passage to this one, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins through his blood. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, we read this, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Or Jesus himself, speaking of his self-sacrifice on the night he was betrayed in Matthew 26, 28, Jesus himself said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you for the remission, the taking away of sins. Where did Jesus Christ shed his blood for us? Where was the ransom price paid? It it was paid on the cross. And from the cross, Jesus Christ says one Greek word. His final word in the Gospel of John. John 19, verse 20, verse 30. He says, it is finished. It's done. The Greek word is tetelestai. And it's a word taken from the marketplace. And it means literally paid in full. Paid in full. That your sin, not in part, but the whole, 
has been nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. It is well now with your soul because the ransom price has been paid. He hasn't made a down payment. He's paid it all. His last word from the cross in the Gospel of John is tetelestai. And Charles Sinemian, the great preacher in London of many, many years ago, says this, Since the foundation of the world, there never was a single word uttered in which such diversified and important matter was contained. Every word indeed that proceeded from our Savior's lips deserves the most attentive consideration, but tetelestai eclipses all. To do justice to it is beyond the ability of men or angels. Its height and depth and length and breadth are absolutely unsearchable. Are you blown away at what Jesus Christ has done to purchase your freedom, your release? He's paid it all. To tell us die, it's paid in full. I was at lunch this week. I was at lunch this week with one of our leaders, and we were having lunch. We were having a great time. I couldn't believe how long our lunch was lasting, and, and finally we realized it was going so long, and we said, well, listen, I, we better get the bill. And so he said to the waiter, hey, get me the bill. Now, that seemed like good news to me, because if he's asking for the bill, that means he wants to pay the bill. So that was really good news to me. But then the waiter said, your bill has already been paid. The manager took care of it. That was good news for him. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and he cried out to Telestai, that was good news for you and for me. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that was good news for him. And it meant that the Father had accepted the payment that Jesus had made on our behalf. And because the payment had been made and accepted, through the resurrection, the Father says, you are now exalted Jesus to the highest place possible. And that's what we're going to start looking at next week as we continue our study in the book of Colossians. So come back, invite a friend, and bring them to hear the height and greatness and glory of Jesus as he is today. He has paid in full the penalty due us for our sin, and he has secured through his resurrection the Father's privileged place as the one in whom all things hold together. He is all and in all and above all. Now, if Jesus is that kind of redeemer who's done it all, paid it all, and gives us it all, then what should we do in response? We should give our lives and loyalty to Him. First, we should believe in Him for eternal life as He's offered in the gospel. Have you done that? When we see 
the debt we owe to God, and we see the price that has been paid for the forgiveness of that debt, we should run to Jesus and thank him and put our trust in him as he's offered in the gospel. Have you done that? You can, right where you're sitting or come up after the service. I'd be happy to talk to you more about how to receive Christ. Really, it's as simple as ABC, to admit that you have a debt you cannot owe, you, you cannot repay, your sin debt, that you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay your debt, shedding his blood, and you commit to following him and ask him to come into your life as Savior and Lord. Now, if you have done that, then what kind of people ought we be in light of this great sacrifice that's been made on our behalf? 1 Corinthians 6 says it this way, you have been bought, redeemed, ransomed with a price. You have been bought with a price. What was the price? The self-sacrifice of the Son on our behalf and the shedding of His blood. That was the price that was paid. Therefore, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, glorify God with your body. Glorify God with the life you have left in this earth. Glorify God. Now, if you spend any time on social media, if you spend any time listening to music, watching television, if you spend any time, you are told again and again and again and again that the purpose of life is to reach your highest potential. And the gospel comes and says, your highest potential is in Christ. The goal of your life is not to reach your personal potential highest potential. The goal of your life is to glorify God. The goal of your life is to set your heart and your affections on God as your greatest good, your greatest delight, and your greatest joy. And so when the writers of the New Testament ask the churches to give evidence for whether or not they're actually believing in their Redeemer Jesus, what they ask are things like this. What's happened to all your joy? They're concerned that the hearts of the church are captured by the incredible love of the Father expressed through the Son. So how is it with us? How is it with you? Where is your joy? Is your greatest joy and delight in the reality that Jesus Christ gave himself a ransom for many, and you're included. That you've entrusted yourself to him as your redeemer, and you're secure in him. How do we get that? How do we begin to enjoy our redeemer? In the Protestant Reformation, this truth, this teaching that I've been telling you this morning, the gospel, the good news, this teaching spread through Europe like wildfire. And the church was so busy trying to teach people 
the fundamentals of this gospel that I've been teaching you this morning, that they wrote dozens and dozens of catechisms and summaries and creeds and confessions, and one of them is the Heidelberg Catechism. And the goal was to instruct people about the gospel, to instruct people about the truths of Scripture. And so the Heidelberg Catechism starts out this way. What is your only comfort in joy, I mean, your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sin with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil and also watches over me in such a way that not a hair of my not a hair can fall from my head. This is to say it won't fall from your head, as I can evidence, without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. So there's everything that I've told you this morning. That Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. He's paid the full price for us to set us free, and he invites us to follow him and give our lives away to him and to others. Now question two asks this. What must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? Three things. First, how great my sin and misery are. We saw that. The debt we owe. Second, how I am set free from all our sin, my sins and misery. We saw that. The self-sacrifice of Jesus. Third, how I am to thank God for such deliverance. How's your Thanksgiving going? Every day is to be a thanksgiving to God. Every day is an opportunity to open this book and discover in fresh ways what Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, at the beginning of the year, we challenged you to, to take up the Bible and to read through the New Testament together. And so as we've been reading through the New Testament this year, some of you have already fallen behind. And I just want to encourage you this week, just jump back in with us in Matthew 15. Maybe you're just here for the first time. You didn't even know that we wanted to read through the New Testament. Well, just start with us in Matthew 15. Some of you have, have stopped because you're not exactly sure how these stories fit into the rest of this book. And, you, and you're a little bit discouraged because you think, well, well man, I'm, I'm here in Matthew, and wh what's all this other stuff here? Well, listen, we want to help you with that. And so starting the first Sunday of February, we're going to offer a class called The Story. It's going to be offered here just outside these doors in the lamp room, and it's for anyone who just wants to understand more what this whole book is about. And maybe that'll encourage you and help you as we walk through reading the rest of the New Testament this year. Others of you are discouraged in your Bible reading. 
Because as you've read through the New Testament, you have this impression. Now, you may not say it this way, but this is your impression. Jesus made a down payment, but I have to keep up the note. I have to be diligent in my Bible reading, in my church attendance, in my small group participation. I've got to tell people about him. <sighs> that gets discouraging quick. That's called religion. And I failed religion 101. And so will you. The gospel is that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. See, the gospel, Jesus goes first, and he goes farthest. He does it all for us, and in response to that, we want to discover more and more about his love for us. So listen, jump back into the New Testament in Matthew 15, and read this week, Matthew 15 and 16 and 17 and 18, and go on a scavenger hunt looking to see what you can discover about what Jesus has done for you. As you read 15, 16, 17, and 18, go looking. Go looking for what Jesus says he will do to pay your ransom. And when you find it, thank him for it in prayer. Say, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. And then share it with someone else in your small group or in your family or even share it with a lost person. And the more we begin to share Jesus with one another and the discoveries we make in his word, the more real Jesus will become in our life. The heart of it, the heart of it is that a Christian is someone who's learning to enjoy their Redeemer. Have you ever been, you ever been to a just joyless wedding? They're pretty rare. Weddings generally are pretty joyful occasions. And that's what it should be for us. Every day we wake up in a fresh way to discover the ways that Jesus Christ has loved us far more than we deserve to be loved. And he has made us through his ransom, free from the guilt and debt of our sin. Oh, that this more and more would be what's going on in our hearts. Words of William Cooper in his poem, Love Constraining to Obedience. What shall I do, was then the word, that I may worthier grow? What shall I render to the Lord? is my inquiry now. To see the law by Christ fulfilled and hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty into choice. Let's pray. Father, you didn't choose us we didn't choose you, you chose us. <laughs> Father, at great expense to yourself, you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, you gave it all. You shed your blood, your precious blood for us on the cross. 
thank you. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands our soul, our life, our all. If you're here this morning and and you've never understood the debt you owe to God and you've never seen Jesus as your Redeemer, won't you turn from from whatever source of life you're trying to live for and, and trust in Christ as your Savior and Lord? Won't you just say to him now, wherever you're sitting, or even as you watch online, would you say to him, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways, and and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the dead to pay the penalty that my sin deserves. Jesus, come into my life, be my Savior, forgive my sin. Jesus, come into my life as Lord. I'll follow you all the days of my life. You help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, I pray that that you would reign in every heart here, that we would have reason each day to say thank you, enjoying our great Redeemer, Jesus discovering in fresh ways all that you are for us in the gospel. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.